podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hell's podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And welcome to episode 82. 82. We're like 82. We're getting up there. That's we'll be able to said. retire any day now. <laughs> I thought I was at 65. No, I'll work until I die. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds like a you problem. This is definitely a me problem. <laughs> I will work with my dogs every day. Like, if I can work from home, that's great. But if I have to go into office, I'm retiring. If I can retire and then just get, like, a little piddly job on the side, we're, like, not a Walmart door person, door greeter, whatever. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But something where I don't have to talk to people, that would be nice. Where you can just do, like clerical work or something oh yeah that sounds great wait yeah. can i get that now hold on yeah you you can do that now yeah i need to i need to look into that i had a job at a medical clinic where the only people i had to talk to were like the insurance companies and they didn't care that was the easiest job that sounds wonderful yeah all I did was look at medical bills, go, this is wrong, or I need to call the insurance, or whatever. It was really easy. Yeah, that's where I should yep. be, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's great. Anyways, well, how are you? I'm pretty good. We had a very chill weekend. We had Jack this weekend, so family time. Very jealous. Mm -hmm. Did you not? Oh. oh, you did not have a chill weekend. I did not have a chill weekend. I just remember. Uh, how, how was it? I, I have to car shop. I hate car shopping in case anyone's wondering. Uh, it's the worst thing on the face of this earth. Um, my car. We just can't get the stupid check engine light to go off. And we've changed the part that the error that comes through. We've changed that piece two or three times now. So we know it wasn't like just a dud part or anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just annoyed. I don't want to. I don't want a car payment. And I, we love my car. Like we have abused the crap out of that car. <laughs> but apparently the universe is saying, no, it's time. It is time. Oh, I'm so sorry. we, yeah, we went car shopping. I did most of it yesterday. I think Ooh. we know what car we want, but we're going to go again on Wednesday. Do some more shopping. But do you want to see the one that I want? Absolutely. I don't buy new cars, so it's a used car, which I'm totally okay with. The one that I'm looking at that we keep looking at is a Toyota RAV4. Oh my God, get and it. We did test drive it, and it was, like, I test drove way too many cars yesterday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hate driving. And here's the other part, is I have a Mazda, and I've loved my Mazda. So at first, I was like, I really, maybe we look at the Mazdas again. Like, I really just, it was so reliable. We had no issues with it. But the Mazda in a similar make, when I test drove it, it was crap. I was like, I hated how it, it felt. I didn't like how, how it drove. Mm -hmm. But this car was nice. So, and I'm clicking through pictures. So it's a RAV4. Um, it's like a 2018 or something. Even Cody was like, let's put an offer in on it now. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's wait. <laughs> let's keep doing some shopping. Um, we also have to get approved for a loan. But that's where we're at. We keep looking at this one. I think this one even has a sunroof. 1000% recommend RAV4s. I've had two because I had one and then I totaled it 
And then I got a new one, like a brand new one. And I just freaking, I've, that is my car of choice. Is that what you have right now as a RAV4? No, right now I have a Buick Encore. Oh, okay. I traded that like a little while ago. But does the Buick compare to the RAV4? Nothing compares to the RAV4. Okay. Before the Buick, I had a Corolla and that was a nice little car. Like they really, they really upped their ante, I guess, on the the Corollas. But even then, like I just, I I like the RAV4. The one I had was purple and I loved it. It was perfect. Well, it's not purple. It's a dark blue, but that's okay. It's in our price range. And anyway, so we'll have updates, but my car is currently illegal. Currently illegal? It's not registered. Oh, okay. Because we can't pass emissions because the check engine light's on and we can't figure out why it's going on or why it won't go off or whatever the hell I'm trying to say. I don't know. But yeah, it's great fun. Oh, no. At least you work from home. Yeah, but what about when I want to take the dogs on an adventure in the middle of the day for 10 minutes when we go to go get a soda? I guess you have to walk them. We do that in the afternoon when Cody's home so that he can yell at the big (laughs) ones and I can yell at Maisie because Maisie needs additional yelling. So You have to tag team her. Well, no, he gets to do the two and then I have to do the one because she doesn't listen to Cody. Also, normally I'm helping her look for balls in the field. (laughs) Okay. Uh, That sounds, that sounds like a normal family unit, honestly. Yeah. Listen, Maisie does this real great thing. When she was super little and I was first leash training her and it was like just me and her one-on-one with walks, almost every single time she would try to bring home a prize, whether it was a twig, a leaf, something. She always tried to bring something home. She's gotten a lot better at that now. Was it ever an animal? No, thank God, no. Okay, thank um, God. Well, you got to remember she's on leash, and I'm not going to let her try to pick up an animal. Yeah. Um, but right around from our, like, around the corner from our house, there's a large park where it's baseball fields. Mm-hmm. Guess who always finds a baseball? Would it happen to be Ben's? No. It would Bentley. be the little Maisie. Oh, really? She would yeah. be my last guess. Well, I guess she was my last guess. She's closest to the ground, so it makes sense. Okay. Yeah. That's a fair point, yeah. (laughs) She always has to find a baseball. It's really fun when she thinks she found one and there's just someone practicing on that field, and I have to tell her she can't take that ball. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) She gets real upset by that. So then we just walk around until they leave, and then she can take the leftovers. Does it just break her little heart? Yeah, it does. And I can even take a ball with us, and she will still find a baseball ball. A baseball. A baseball ball. Yes. I'm pretty sure the correct way. Yeah, it's both of them. You have to say both of them. That's correct English. Yeah. She always finds the baseball ball and doesn't like her fetch ball. Ball. (laughs) That's how I'm going to refer to the dog balls every day for the rest of my life now. Fetch ball balls? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's my life. That's Maisie does. She's a joy. She's just a joy. Aside from her new habit of making sure I'm awake at the witching hour. Nope. Don't like that at all. Maisie, stop it. No, I don't either. Last night it was one in the morning, but then Cody couldn't fall back asleep. So he had me awake at the witching hour with all of his movement around the house. That makes sense because he is a demon. I know. I know. 
I'm not arguing. I'm just saying. <laughs> but that's that's my update. I don't have anything else. I feel like there was something else I was going to tell you, though. I know there was something I, I felt like I was going to say, and I have no idea where it went. Would you like to know what I did to Cody this week, though? And I'm sure he's not thrilled with it. He doesn't know yet. Oh, if he's not thrilled, I'm ready to hear all about it. Let me grab my literal tea. So last week, I told him I wanted to buy new sheets, new blankets, new pillows for the bed. Oh, that's the best feeling. And also, I'm like, you know what? Our sheets are really old, and I'm wondering if it's starting to affect how I'm sleeping. Like, you know. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, just we'll just buy it slowly. No big deal. <clears throat> we've got everything <laughs> i don't think he understood the question no he didn't um uh, it wasn't that expensive like i'm not an expensive girl like less than 150 dollars for two new pillows a body pillow sheets a cover for the body pillow for cody and a new blanket no that doesn't sound bad at all the blanket no. alone usually that's like 50 60 70 bucks well it was 50 dollars it just yeah. You know, everything else was cheap enough that I didn't care. Mm -hmm. But point is, is um, all that stuff's in the washer right now. Cody has no idea. I think tomorrow before he notices, I'm just going to put change out everything while he's at work. And I have a lull, lull in my day. Mm -hmm. I'll probably just change everything out and see if he notices. That's the best idea, though, because hopefully if he notices, he is already just he's had a Okay, I don't want to say that. I don't want him to have a bad day at work. Maybe a long day at work and he comes home and he's so tired and he gets in bed and everything's brand new and he can't complain because it just feels so nice. He is he's been working overtime just because we're so busy at work. So been coming home pretty tired. I think it'll work out. Yeah, I was gonna do that today, but then here we are. <laughs> I um I'll explain later why we're here where we are and I didn't finish that. <laughs> Well, you already know why. We talked about it before we started recording. Be okay, you're confused. I can see on your face. It's because I changed my story last minute. That's right. Okay, yeah. We did talk about yeah. that literally 10 minutes yeah. ago. Yeah, not even. <laughs> Anyways, any how are you? Anything you want to share? Not really. No, I guess it's pretty boring. Oh, I remember the other thing I was going to share. What? Last week, I had the best day ever. I sent you that picture of the Bigfoot thing on my work computer where I was like, we, we partner with this company and look, there's Bigfoot, whatever. It's, yeah. a, it's a program called Motivosity. And basically, it's like an appreciation type of thing. But you can give everyone like on your team what they call like Motivosity bucks. Okay. And those are redeemable for gift cards. Guess who realized they had $78 on Motivosity? Oh, hell yeah. And guess who who uses those points solely for Barnes and Noble? Bryce, how many yeah. books did you buy? Only five, and I only spent four dollars of my own money. <laughs> Hold up, that's I'm impressed. That was so. You remember the day where I texted you and said, "What the hell is um, paranormal romance?" I'm scared, but yeah, I'm scared all over again. That, yeah. Uh, that's why I was asking is because I was looking at books and I was just clicking around on. Barnes and Noble because I was trying to find books and I saw that as a category and I was like I don't know so in case you were wondering I'm interested but I'm scared at the same time I think it's more like the vampire idea not Bigfoot but like vampire you know that I can see Bigfoot is just like 
Like, but at the same time, please tell me someone wrote a romantic novel about the Fresno Nightcrawlers. Please. Would you like me to Google it? Romantic novel about Fresno Nightcrawlers. I'm really impatiently waiting. Like with legs like that, they have. there has to be a book out there. Well, I don't know what this book is about, but it is called Naked with the Fresno Nightcrawlers. Oh God, it is. It's a romantic book. I was joking. I'm scared. I don't want to read it. <laughs> there's there is um a naughty story about the fresno nightcrawlers so it it's definitely not something i wanted to know about but hey um ebook coming your way for your birthday amanda they really just went right into it too and this is on barnes and noble.com on barnes and noble yeah i feel like they've really um diversified <clears throat> the only option is an ebook ebook so it's not a physical print maybe they haven't decided on a cover photo yet oh i was just sharing my screen they have a cover oh hold on it's only three dollars um <laughs> those legs though those legs though yeah <laughs> honestly those are some pretty sexy teeth oh god so to answer your question yes someone done did it okay. but i think for the most part the paranormal romance section is vampires or werewolves or humanoid or creatures that can turn into humans or affects effectively that way and at least one about fresno nightcrawlers uh I, there might be more that's just the first one i found that's fine it's okay i know we've got one there you have it anyways that was my that was the best day ever is when i realized that i had 78 dollars i could spend at barnes and noble and because cody can't control my motivosity bucks he can't control that i got a barnes and noble gift card that sounds like a him problem. Yeah. Well, are you almost ready to get into stories? I am. <laughs> okay. Well, before we do, um, our Instagram. So for any of our listeners, if you want to see pictures, we are posting pictures on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. So you can follow us there. Instagram and Facebook is Hell on Hills Podcast. Twitter is Hell on Hills Pod. Our Patreon is up and going if you want to join us on Patreon. Our Discord is up and going. You can join us on Discord if you want to shit talk. The link for all of those things is on our link tree. If you just Google Hell on Hills Podcast link tree, we'll pop right up. If you want to email us with suggestions, words of encouragement, whatever the hell you want to email us with, you can certainly do that. Our email is hellonhillspodcast at gmail.com. Um, I think that's everything. Are you ready for a story? I am, yeah, I think. Okay. Well, I already mentioned <laughs> that I changed my story last minute. Mm -hmm. Now, let me just preface this by saying the story I had completed, it's a good story. I just didn't like how I had it written. And when I was reviewing it last night, I could not. I was just over the story. I was over reading about it. I didn't want to look at it anymore. And so I just changed my story. Okay. Caution to the wind. Let's go. Yeah, just screw it. It's fine. So have you ever heard of the Stocking Strangler or the Chattahoochee Choker? No. Okay. Chattahoochee Choker. Choker. The Chattahoochee Choker. Yeah. That's that's a name right there. It's, it's one hell of a name. Is this in Alabama? Georgia. Okay. And a little bit in New York. Okay. Well, you just threw me. Well, okay. Let's just get into it. So... <laughs> On February 12th, 1970, Marion Brewer, a 62-year-old woman, was discovered on her room at the Hampton Hotel in Albany, New York. Marion had been strangled and raped. She was found face up on her bed, and there were visible marks on her throat. 
Police would find her pocketbook near her head, no money inside. And the New York police begin their investigation into the murder of Marion Brewer. Marion Brewer. But this is really as far as they get. They don't have any leads. On April 14, 1970, Nellie M. Farmer, 85 years old, would be discovered in her room at the Wellington Hotel in Albany, New York as well. She was also strangled and raped. Her body was was discovered partially clothed on the floor next to her bed. And a long piece of fabric was near her neck. Her cause of death was asphyxiation due to manual strangulation. Police, again, have nothing in their investigation. They found fingerprints in the farmer case, though, but they didn't have anyone to match it to. And they're not really able to identify any solid suspects or identify who had done this. That is until police catch their break when a third elderly woman is attacked. Now, this woman, from what I understood, she survived. Carlton Michael Gary, he was born on September 24th, 1950, or December 15th, 1952. I had several conflicts there. I'm not sure which day he was actually born because multiple sources said one thing and multiple sources said the other. He was born in Columbus, Georgia, and Carlton's father, he was a construction worker who unfortunately wanted nothing to do with Carlton. His father refused to take any responsibility for Carlton, and he provided no financial support or any support whatsoever for Carlton or Carlton's mother. He sounds like a great dude. Yep. Carlton's father was so absentee that Carlton only met his biological father once when he was 12 years old, and that was the only time he ever met him. What's even the point? I have no clue. Now, with the lack of support from his father, Carlton's mother was extremely poor. So Carlton grew up extremely poor. And we say that in the sense that Carlton was often malnourished as a child because they couldn't afford to eat. Oh, God love him. Him and his mother moved frequently. His mother was described as nomadic, often moving from state to state, city to city, whatever it may be. And he really didn't have the greatest life growing up. They severely struggled. His mother would often leave Carlton with his aunt or great aunt for help. Now, his aunt and his mother would often, as an income, they would be maids for wealthy elderly women, predominantly Caucasian women. Now, some speculate that in Carlton's early life and the interactions he might have had with these elderly women kind of lead him to begin hating elderly white women. I was afraid that's where we were were headed here. I couldn't find any stories about them really being mistreated, but also this is the 1970s, or not 1970s, 1950s, 1960s, so. So we really don't know to what extent they were mistreated either, but I think we have an idea. Yeah. Okay, I got you. At a very young age, Carlton also suffers severe head trauma following a playground accident. I couldn't get any additional details on what the accident was. We just know that he was knocked unconscious unconscious during this incident, and he did have that head trauma. Even with his difficult upbringing, though, he was still considered like a chatty and charismatic young man. Like most people described him in his youth as very chatty, charismatic. He would start becoming nomadic. Um, There was a story that I can't remember if he was eight years old or 12 years old. I didn't actually put it in. This is just a story that came up a couple times. But he ended up in Vermont without his parents. And he just called his uncle and said, hey, come get me. And they have no clue how he got there. At eight? Uh, Either eight or 12. 
He's just I'm a 33 and I couldn't do that now. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. He made it over there. He's more resourceful than us. He's got some kind of street smarts. Well, definitely. Uh, I can tell you he has some street smarts because unfortunately by the time Carlton was 18, he was already a heavy drug user. Oh. He also had a criminal record. Between the ages of 14 to 18 years old, he would be arrested on multiple times, multiple charges for robbery, arson, and assault. At what age, you said? This is between the ages of 14 to 18. Okay, so very... It sounds like he had to to grow up pretty quick. Yes. And with how his mother lived and not always having the money for the things that they needed, like, I don't know, food... I yeah. think he was very, he had to be resourceful. I mean, there were multiple stories about him, uh, friends, neighbors, teachers, whoever, finding him digging through the garbage to have a meal. I know we might not like him later, but that's just, that's really heartbreaking. It is very sad. Very, very sad. No one should have to live that way. Mm-mm. Especially a child. A child, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you choose to live that way, that's on you. Because I know there are plenty of homeless by choice people, but I don't feel like he had much of a choice. It doesn't sound like it. Now, amidst all this turmoil with Carlton, he would go on to get married to a woman named Sheila. And these two kind of continue being nomadic, traveling around. And they do have two children together, from what I could find. I did not look for their names, mostly because no articles freely gave their names. Okay. In 1970, Carlton, he decides it's time to follow his dreams. And he relocates to Albany, New York. Sorry, just him or him and his family? From what I could find, his family did follow him. And to my understanding, all the way up until the end, he was still with his wife. Okay. Now, in Albany, New York, he was planning to become a singer. And that was his plan. He was going to start this career. That's That was his goal, his dreams, ambitions, whatever. And in order for him to stay afloat, though, he continues his criminal activities. Um, That's that's kind of the life he knows. He's not, this isn't to be like negative. I just, I I think that's the life he knew. That's how he knew to get money was robbery and uh, these different criminal activities. And that's how he was able to support his family. Now, After the attack of this third woman, and keep in mind, the first two women that were murdered were in Albany, New York, in 1970, after he relocates there. So, after this third woman is attacked, and again, to my understanding, she did survive. But this third woman, the police were able to match fingerprints from the second woman, the farmer case, to that of Carlton Gary. So, they they catch him. He doesn't get far after this attack on the third woman. They are able to fingerprint him and say, hey, these are the same prints as that of Miss Fisher. And what do you think happens? I'm already kind of torn because like, okay, I know they they found his fingerprints, but didn't you say that she was found murdered in a hotel room? Yeah. So isn't it just possible that he had rented that hotel room? Not likely. Okay. You got to remember, his family is nomadic. They don't make a lot of money in general. Okay. To my understanding. So was he arrested and questioned? Yes. So he is. I mean, he's arrested on this third attack. And he tells police that, yeah, he had taken part in a robbery at Miss Fisher's hotel. 
But he didn't kill anyone. No, 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 no. He knew who did, though. It was his accomplice, John Lee Mitchell. Okay. Um, Who? His accomplice. So Gary claims that John Lee Mitchell was, in fact, the one responsible for the murder of Nellie Farmer. And police are like, okay, cool. (laughs) And they run with this claim. And this goes to the point that Carlton Gary would even testify against John Lee Mitchell. And Mitchell would be charged, even though there was no physical evidence against Mitchell. They couldn't even place him in the, re- in the apartment. Or not the apartment, in the hotel. Oh, um, what? Yes. So this kind of made me question, like, if the police... Because you've got to remember, as far as my perception goes, Carlton's new to this Albany area. He's likely not known by authorities at this point, even though he is an active criminal. But I wondered if John Lee Mitchell was an active criminal known by authorities and they were like just taking this and running with it because they're like, let's get him off the streets. If there was some sort of vendetta. Now, that's just pure speculation. It's not stated in any articles. That's my pure speculation. But I know I kind of get that, though. I see where you're coming from. And that would make a lot of sense because just taking him at face value kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. And I mean, it worked for him. They were like, yep, we're going with uh, this Mitchell character. And he does get convicted, to my understanding, of the murder of Nellie Farmer. And when I say he, I mean Mitchell. Mitchell was was convicted. Now, eventually, Carlton Gary, he would actually recant his statement. And John Lee Mitchell would be released after a successful appeal. Why? Why what part? Sorry. Why would he recant? He's not confessing. He just recanted it and Mitchell would be released. I guess that just doesn't make sense to me because you go through all this trouble and put him in jail. And then even though he's probably pretty mad at you, you come back and you're like, no, sorry, I was wrong. He's like completely innocent. Yeah. And I will say this. I don't know how long it took him to recant. So I'm not sure how long John Lee Mitchell was in prison. I don't know if he recanted after he was in already like if there was more that had already happened i don't i don't know i just know that he would eventually recant and mitchell would be freed after an appeal oh at least he's not in prison i guess if he didn't do it yeah yeah i mean that's positive i mean i'm not saying he's a great guy but Mm -hmm. i also don't know because i don't know if he was known by police i don't know if he was a regular criminal i i don't know well this tactic that carlton gary worked of blaming someone else and he moved on He was never charged with the murder of Nellie Farmer, but he was charged with robbery and he was sentenced to serve time in the, oh God, uh, Onondaga County Correctional Institute in New York. I don't know if that's right. I'm sorry. I have no idea. I'm, that's phonetic. And there, there's probably someone screaming at me right now saying how it's correctly supposed to be said, but. It's not me. Your guess is as good (laughs) as mine. It sounded great to me. I'm like, yeah, she's on it. Yep, yep, I googled it. No, I didn't. <laughs> but he is sentenced to spend time in New York and he that was in 1970. He's released in 1975 on parole. Probation, parole, parole. Now, after his release, he moves to Syracuse, New York. So he's still in New York. And would it shock you to hear that more elderly women begin to be attacked? Are they being attacked in Syracuse? They are. My my, this is really strange. Wow, so weird. 
Two or more women in the Syracuse, New York area are attacked in their homes. And this is only four days between each attack. One woman survived, one woman did not. I did not have a lot of details on these two women. Uh, I just couldn't find it. I don't know if I was just looking in the wrong spot. But the surviving victim was able to identify her, was unable to identify her attacker. So the surviving witness, she could not tell who had attacked her, though she was certain that it had been a mustache man of African descent. But again, there's not really any leads on who the attacker was, and police are not able to identify a suspect in these cases, and Carlton Gary remains free. Now, it is speculated that he's responsible for these attacks. It is not confirmed. Carlton Gary, he, however, would be sent back to jail for some parole violations in early 1977. He was busted trying to sell some stolen coins. Coincidentally, they were coins stolen from the same apartment building of the woman who survived her attack. Okay. This is a crazy coincidence. I think he's being set up. Obviously. Mm-hmm. So, Jean Frost was 55. She had been raped and almost strangled. And this happened in January 1977. I didn't say when those two attacks happened. We just know that they happened four days apart. Okay. Now, Carlton Gary, in this case, he admits to being at the apartment building or possibly in her home. But he, of course, he, he did not her. rape. No, he, well, she survived. Oh, but sorry. he did he not rape and attempt to strangle this woman. Of course not. He just robbed her and took her clothes. Exactly. His accomplice is the one that tried to kill her. Yes. Oh, okay. And what's this guy's name? I didn't get this guy. Oh, no, I did get this guy's name. So his accomplice's name was Dudley Harris. And he said that, listen, I was there. I did not attack her, but Dudley did. He was the assailant. When they tell you, like, don't burn bridges, Carlton is like, (laughs) forget those bridges. Set them on fire. I don't give a damn. He's like, who needs a bridge anyways? Yeah, nothing. (laughs) Carlton Gary, when he's arrested, questioned, he had in his possession a watch that was taken from Gene Frost. So authorities are like, this is Gene Frost's watch. And I mean, I think we all know at this point who's attacking these elderly women. It's it's clearly not Carlton. Yeah, it's Dudley and Mm -hmm. Mr. Mitchell. Duh. Well, Carlton Gary, he's, I mean, he's sent back to jail for parole violations, but he is not charged for the attack of Miss Jean Frost. Uh-huh. Who was? To my knowledge, I don't know that anyone was at this time charged. Okay. And so Carlton Gary, he's in jail, and he is not having any of this incarceration nonsense. On August 22nd, 1977, he would escape from his low-security prison. And he mm-hmm. accomplished this by sawing through the bars of the cell. With what? Okay, listen. I know this was the 70s, but <laughs> I'm really struggling to wrap my head around how the hell he sawed out of his cell. Because for some reason, that notion to me is very cartoonish. Like, I just keep imagining, like, a cartoon character sawing through their jail cell. Yes, like, his wife brought it to him in a cake. And they were like, oh, here's your birthday cake. Your wife brought it to you. And then he just pulls a saw out of it. Right? That's exactly how this happened. Uh, Yeah. And I don't know what tools he used. But then I also think about nobody heard that. Not a single officer heard that racket. Like, I don't feel like that was quiet. 
I'm, I am left to assume that he used a nail file and he did it over the course of five years. That's the only way I accept nope. that this happened. No, because he was put back in jail in, what, January 1977 and released in August of 77. No. I don't, I don't know. I have no I idea. Don't, I don't know. I have no clue. Because I'm with you. Like, how did nobody hear it? Where did you hide your utensil? Uh, right? And then the other part of me is, like, not one other inmate in this low-security prison saw you doing this and thought to themselves, if I rat him out... I might get a lighter sentence or I might get time taken off or be favored in some way. I think, I think there's like a little rhyme about snitches and stitches that may have prevented that though. But you know, it still happens. You know, it still happens. Uh And there wasn't one person that was like, I'm going to take the chance. Maybe, maybe he was like, Hey, if you don't rat me out, I'll pass you the saw next. Maybe, maybe that's what it was is Mm -hmm. I will. But then that sucks because they're going to do bed checks after they discover Carl's and Gary's missing. That saw is useless. Yeah, but they won't find it because Carlton's just going to tell them his master plan of being like, oh, tell them it's not yours. It's your accomplices. And then you won't oh. get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, just pass the blame. No big deal. Yeah. He does it yeah. all the time. Works every time. It works every time. Don't worry about it. Uh, again, I don't know what tools he used to saw through. <laughs> and... From what I understood, it was a 20-foot drop, and he actually dropped down, broke his ankle, but continued running. He made it, and he was able to make his way back home to Columbus, Georgia. What? Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know why that surprises me. He took a road trip when he was eight, so. (laughs) I think eight. I could be wrong about the age. So he makes his way back to Georgia. And on September 11th, 1977, near Columbus, Georgia, one Miss Gertrude Miller is attacked, raped, and severely beaten. Knotted stockings were found at the crime scene, but Gertrude Miller, she survives this attack. She was very severely injured in her attack, and at the time, she was not able to speak to police due to the care she needed. But when she could speak to authorities, she does tell them that her assailant had been a black male. Those are the details she could give him. On September 16th, 1977, near Columbus, Georgia, 60-year-old Fern Jackson would be found beaten, strangled, and raped. She had been found strangled using her own nylon stockings from her own home in Columbus. Oh, my gosh. Just nine days later, on September 25th, 1977, uh, 71-year-old Jean Demenstein was found murdered as well, and the circumstances were similar to that of Fern Jackson. Yeah. Real interesting. He's going like really fast now, too. Yep, we're looking at three attacks in the course of 14 days, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Now, police, they would go on to attribute these attacks. I mean, at this point, they do consider this the stalking strangler. Like they they have their name for him. They're attributing these attacks to the same man. They're all very similar in fashion. But they initially attribute this to a man named Jerome Livas. Um, and Jerome was already in prison for the rape and murder of his then-girlfriend. Um, he he had also allegedly confessed to the murders of Fern Jackson and Jean Demenstein. Um, and the reason they were kind of like, oh, yeah, he wasn't in jail at the time of the attacks. He was arrested after. But the reason they were like, well, it could have been him, is that his girlfriend was a little bit older. She was about 55, matched, you know, matched so far the victims. And the way she was killed was 
very similar and at least close enough to that of the stocking strangler that they said it could be it could be him they did not put all their eggs in that basket but they were pretty confident at first it was him i guess i can kind of see like if it was that similar why they would go down that route Mm -hmm. of course this falls apart pretty quickly because on october 21st 1989 nope on october 21st 1977 89-year-old Florence Schiebel had been discovered murdered as well. <sighs> On October 25th, 69-year-old Martha Thurman had been discovered. Both Florence and Martha were found with similar circumstances to that of Fern Jackson and Jean Demenstein. So we know that the Livis Cut character is already in jail, and we know that he could not have done those two murders, and they were confident they were done by the same person as uh, Fern and and Jean. Now, I will say, just to throw this out here, a lot of these women were not bad people. Like, I don't know about all of them. I didn't find history on all of them. But some of these women were very highly respected. They were very kind individuals. A lot of them doing charity work. Um, there was one that was a, at least one that was a teacher. Like, they're not bad people by any way. Mm-hmm. And also, they're a little bit older. Meaning they are they're probably starting to get mobility issues. They're uh they're getting, you know, illnesses, ailments that are coming with old age, vision issues, anything like that. So they're vulnerable. Yes, they are a very vulnerable demographic. Now, on December 28th, 1977, 74-year-old Kathleen Woodruff would be attacked, raped, and murdered. Again, this was similar to past attacks. However, in this one, they just hadn't found any stockings, so they had every reason to believe that they took the stockings or the murder weapon with them instead of leaving it at the scene. In 1977 alone, five elderly women were attacked and killed in a similar fashion. This was just between September 11th and December 28th. Now, find that Carlton Gary had been in jail most of 1977 until he escaped in August. And then, coincidentally these brutal attacks start popping up in September. It also feels like he got more brazen, I guess. He started attacking more when he went back home. That we know of. Yes. Now, will, women are scared. Like, the elderly demographic, they're frightened. The, the residents in the area, they're starting to take a lot of precautions for their own safety. A lot of people, like, this was, like, a big deal is that a lot of the women were removing these, like, mature rose bushes and azalea bushes or whatever. They were just removing them down to stumps so that there was just no potential hiding place. Like, killer can't hide here because it's not there anymore. Okay, fair. I mean, that sucks. Yeah. A lot of women just quit walking the neighborhood, especially at night. And I know, like, my grandma, she walks her neighborhood all the time. Mm-hmm. So I know that would suck if she had to stop doing that. And then you had some women who started inviting their male relatives to stay with them for their security. You had women installing additional locks to their doors and windows. Women of this demographic, age demographic, were also going out and purchasing guns for their protection. Like a woman who's never owned a gun is like, now I need one. Oh, so people are, they're panicking. Yeah. And like I said, they're a vulnerable demographic. They have Mm -hmm. mobility issues. They have possible sight issues. Uh, I know at least one of the women was partially blind and she was, she had to walk with a walker and she was very vulnerable. Oh my God. 
On February 12th, 1978, Ruth Schwab would be attacked. Ruth, however, was able to trigger a bedside alarm. To my understanding, this alarm went to like her neighbor's house and her neighbor could then help care for her, call an ambulance, call police, whatever. And police get there, the attacker gets spooked and they flee the scene. Ruth's attacker, however, does not get very far as they go two blocks down the road and they break into the home of 78-year-old Mildred Borum. Mildred had been found raped and strangled in her home on February 12th, 1978. Oh my gosh. Okay. Police, soon after this, police would announce that they suspected an African-American male in the murders. And I assume this is from witness statements. I didn't have anything else other than they had found hair that they believed to be from an African-American male. Um, but that was just them looking at the hair and going, yeah, here's our stereotype. I got you. Yeah. Now, one Mr. William Henry Hans would just have to go make things a little more complicated. So initially, Mr. Hans was unidentified. Well, by his name, he would call himself the chairman of the forces of evil. He sounds absolutely sane. Very grounded. Yeah. He goes on to threaten to murder selected black women. If the stalking strangler was not stopped, like he gives dates, he gives their names and police, they do investigate. They take this seriously because first of all, they're not sure if this is the stalking strangler or if this is someone else that's just upset. Basically, Hans, is, Hans was attempting to make this look like uh, ca- Caucasian vigilantes were like, you told us a black man is doing this and we are going to take this into our own hands and blah, blah, blah. I think that was a little bit of a stretch, but I also live in what we're 2023. I'm not in the seventies. So I'm, I'm kind of with you though. Like, sir, sit, sit down, go drink your yeah, coffee, chill out. read the newspaper, Hanson. Well, the reason he did this for Hans, he was attempting to cover up murders of his own. So he did go on to murder these three women. And he was trying to make it look like these vigilantes were like, well, it's because police didn't find the stalking killer. So we took it into our own hands to scare the stalking. Like that was his thought process. He sounds great. Oh, he's not someone I would want to hang out with. Really? I was just thinking I would love to have Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner with him. Uh, no, not, not for me. I'll pack. <laughs> I just don't like Turkey anyways. But <laughs> police arrest, arrest Hans on April 4th, 1978. And at this point, they are suspecting him of being the man they called the stalking strangler. They're like, it's probably him, right? He did murder three other women and try to hide it. Um, and they're, they're trying to get a case against him. But on April 19th or April 20th, 1978, again, conflicting dates. I'm pretty sure it was the 19th because the .gov said the 19th. Um, while Hans is in police custody, 61-year-old Janet Kofer had been found as another victim of the stalking strangler. Oh my gosh. Okay. So police quickly realize Hans was not, in fact, the stalking strangler. He's still a killer. I have no sympathy for him. He still murdered three women and then tried to hide it. In the absolute dumbest way possible, yeah. probably. Yeah. Like, <laughs> these vigilantes are coming for us. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what he's doing. but. And then the case goes cold. Even with all the media coverage, local police, they're working endless hours, the case goes cold. 
And Carlton Gary, he's still a free man at this point. He's walking around free as a bird. And that's only until December of 1978. Now, during this time, there are no known victims. So a lot of sources talked about him being one of the few few criminals whose crimes, instead of escalate, they de-escalate. Like, he's still a criminal, but he's not as violent, at least from what most people could give me. He's back to robberies. He's back to petty theft. He's back to... He's not killing these elderly women anymore. Okay. Because Janet Kofer was his final victim. And he was still free all the way until December of 1978. And how old would that have made him? Um, 30 something, nope, 20 something. So still know, very young in comparison. I might, he might have been 30 something, 1952 minus 1978. He was 26. He was either 26, 28. So it wasn't his age, though, that was stopping him. No. This weird. He was okay. fully able. So December of 1978. Carlton Gary, he's arrested after a robbery in Gaffney, South Carolina. He's not even in Georgia at this point. He's in South Carolina. Don't know when he made it there, but we do know he's nomadic. He tends to roam. Carlton Gary, he confesses to robbery. And he is sentenced to 21 years in prison for armed robbery. This man, however, is like, I told you once I'm not doing this incarceration nonsense. I will not tell you twice. Oh, God. And he is... He is a free man by March 15th, 1983. What? Not legally free. Oh. But he does escape from custody. Did he did he use the saw again? I couldn't figure out on this one how he had freed himself. I have no clue. It had to have been the laundry cart. It had to have been. That's the he only was reenacting Annie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he remains at large for over a year. And he's eventually found and apprehended again. But by this time, he's arrested again because police have some new evidence in the stalking stranglers. In the stalking stranglings. That's a better word, yeah. So, in an unrelated murder, from what I understand, they had found the stolen pistol. And this pistol basically gets traced all the way back to Carlton Gary, who uh-huh. reportedly stole this from one of the victims that he's already had in Georgia. Again, from what I understand, this murder that the pistol comes up in, it's not commit by Gary, but basically it's like word of mouth, like, oh, I bought this from them, and then I bought this from them, and then I bought this from them, and then I bought this, like, going back, you know? And they also find a possible fingerprint match. So they start believing, they as in the police, start believing that maybe, just maybe, Carlton Gary was the serial killer they're looking for. No, he's not. It's his accomplice. Literally, shit together. How dare you? Well, Carlton Gary, he is arrested and charged with crimes in Columbus, Georgia. Overall, he is believed to have raped at least nine women and murdered seven women in Columbus alone. In three of the cases, Carlson, he's convicted of beating, sexually assaulting, and strangling the victim. His murder weapon was identified as stalking or similar items used for strangulation. Two of the survivors would testify that Carlton Gary had strangled them until they were unconscious and he would rape them or attempt to rape them when they were unconscious. One of the survivors from Georgia positively IDs Carlton Gary during her testimony. I believe this was Gertrude Miller. 
the victim, Ruth Schwab, had reportedly passed away before he was charged and tried. So she she survived, but she would pass away soon after. Now, there's a lot of skepticism behind her positive ID of Carlton Gary. Because by this time, she had reportedly identified three other African-American men as her attacker. Oh, well, that's not good. Yeah. And on top of that, her initial statement, she told authorities it was too dark to even distinguish the race of her attacker. Oh, that's not a good look either. Yeah, not a great look. No. But regardless, Carlton Gary's fingerprints were found at four of the crime scenes. And in at least three of these cases where his fingerprints were found, he admitted to being in the women's homes, but he maintained he was innocent. He did not kill them. And actually, in at least six out of seven cases, he had made statements admitting that he was in these women's homes. And in each case, he, of course, was not responsible for their deaths. Would you like to know who was responsible? Was it Ronald McDonald? Real close. It was his accomplice, uh, Malvin Crittenden. How does this man still have accomplices? Why does anybody want to work with him? Well, they didn't have internet, so they couldn't just, like, text each other and be like, hey, by the way, or, you know, Facebook message them and say, hey, I wouldn't hang out with Carlton Gary. He accused me of murder, and I didn't murder that lady. I wasn't even there. (laughs) I was out of town when it happened. I don't even know how I got arrested, but, you know, they didn't have that luxury, okay? He must have been real charming. I guess he kept that from his childhood. He must have been. He claims that he was there to solely rob the women. That's all he was there for. There was, however, no evidence found to link uh, Malvin Crittenden to the crimes. And I had Malvin, so I hope that's correct. But Crittenden could not be linked. Like, he didn't have fingerprints or anything that they could say, yeah, he was at the crime scene. So author William Rawlings stated that during his investigation, the women's possessions in these cases were not missing. Robbery was not the prime motivation for these attacks. So his, Mr. Gary's claim that he was there to rob these women, he's saying, but you didn't. Like one of these women had their top drawer was the only thing rifled through and there was money sitting in the top drawer that was still there. So where's the robbery? Yeah, good job. Yeah. He's a great robber too. He sounds just pretty well-rounded. According to some reports, Carlton Gary had also confessed to his crimes. He, I mean, people are claiming he said, yes, I killed these women, but there's maybe some conflicts with that. We'll, we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. Now, Carlton Gary, he was indicted for the murders on May 4th, 1984. This was for three counts of malice murder, three counts of rape, and three counts of burglary. He would be convicted on August 26, 1986 for the three murders. And this was for the murders of Florence Schiebel, 89, Martha Thurmond, 70, and Kathleen Woodruff, 74. Because they had enough evidence, basically, to try him for those three. Now, during the trial, I will tell you, they brought in other victims. They talked about his patterns and how those were related. um, But officially, the charges were only for those three women. On August 27th, 1986, he would be sentenced to death. Now, does this feel like an open and shut case to you? I don't know how to answer that (laughs) because I feel like anytime I answer, it's wrong. 
he's convicted at this point, right? He's been convicted. People are saying it's him. Like a jury of his peers have said, yes, we believe him to be the, the culprit. I guess I would have to know what kind of evidence they had against him. Something for some reason is still making me like anxious or uneasy about the whole thing. It's because I'm not over. I'm not done with the story. Probably. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this case. First of all, Carlton Gary, he maintains his innocence in the murders. He admit he was in the homes, but he maintains that his accomplice killed him. Which, by the way, that always bugged me. Like, reading through this, I've known about this case for a while, but reading through it and hearing about it, it's always bothered me that he claimed his accomplice, at least three different accomplices, all killed these elderly women. They all had the same MO. They all had the same, you know, whatever. And he got away with trying to blame other people. Twice. Twice, How right? would he find, at least twice, yeah. yeah. But how would he find three different individuals that were all as sick and twisted as they are, if his claims are true, that they were all killing, killing these elderly women? I Like, I, that doesn't make sense. And in the same manner. Exactly. Again, that it just, sir, that doesn't make sense. Please try again. Now, according to a group of supporters and an investigative book by journalist David Rose, Carlton's Gary, Carlton Gary's lawyer was refused state funding to carry out a proper defense. So they're saying the defense couldn't even work appropriately. So they were severely lacking and he wasn't represented, represented how he should have been. They also claimed that the fingerprints they found that matched the crime scenes or in the crime scenes that matched Mr. Gary, those are said not to hold a match to the crime scene until seven years later. Like it took seven years. And they argue that they should have been able to discover this earlier on because Gary had been fingerprinted one year after the murders. Now, in 1970, I don't know what type of databases they had to compare fingerprints. I don't really know that it was a like i know it wasn't as sophisticated as it is today i don't think they could have just run it through and been like oh look there's a match cool computer told us pull it up on the old google machine yeah but they basically argued that it took seven years and they had to do re-examination of the case to find that this all of a sudden matched why did it take seven years my friends technology has changed um according to this group his prints at the time were being compared to the prints that were found at the crime scenes and they just didn't catch it for another seven years. So that's kind of where they're like, someone's fabricating this, right? Now, the reported confession, that was not recorded, which valid, it was not recorded. The one that he confessed and then recanted? No, no, no. This is um, after someone, some articles claimed that he had confessed to the murders. Okay. But that was never recorded. The officer took no notes. And it was written by the investigating officer days after the reported confession based off of the officer's memory. The confession was unsigned and undated, and they did try to add this to evidence during the trial. And Carlton Gary, he's like, well, I didn't even sign that, and I didn't write that confession, which, all right, I'll give you that one. Like, if you didn't sign it, obviously you're, like, I don't know what happened. It wasn't recorded. It's hearsay at this point. You're saying you didn't even write this confession. You didn't even sign it. I'll give you that one. Now, they also talk about this semen analysis from the rapes. Reportedly, Carlton Gary's semen antigen did not match the semen antigen found at the crime scenes. 
So basically they talked about antigen levels in his semen were really, really uh, low for the crime scene, like real low. But when he provided this semen antigen analysis, whatever, to, uh, I don't even think it was authorities. I think it was this reporter, if I remember correctly. It was the reporter that got it from him. Oh, that's uncomfortable. We're not going to talk about that. But they basically said his antigen levels were significantly at least three times higher than that of the DNA or the evidence. But then he's got experts. Basically, they're like, well, this is off. What the hell is an antigen? And I I might regret asking this, but what is an antigen in semen? And can that be affected by, you know, like... Like, you just got it from him and he did it in a cup, whereas this one, they're collecting it from a crime scene. So, this is how I understood what they were explaining. The semen antigen, so what they're finding is in his semen, um, your immune, there's an immune response for the antigens in your body to help, you know, it, it's basically about the immune system. And it talks about antibodies and, you know, the production of antibodies. So, the antibodies in the DNA from the semen found on the victims had much lower, if I remember correctly, they had lower antibodies than mm-hmm. the sample that he provides. Can't that change, though? Like, just in a person throughout time? Well, some people say yes. Some experts say yes, and others say no. So there's conflict there on if that is the case. I know that the author that wrote his book in Mr. Gary's defense does not believe that those change. Okay. But he claims to have worked with a professional, even though another professional told him that those could change. Basically, I feel like that was a narrative that he put in his book the way he wanted. Okay. I got you. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. That's the best explanation I've got. That's how I understood it, at least. Do with that information what you will. Now, because of this, Mr. What was his name? Rose, David Rose. He basically says there is no way that he could be the killer because those the semen antigens are just so vastly off. One of the victims had also been found with a bite mark. Uh-oh. Officers at the time made a cast of it. The bite did not match that of Carlton Gary. However, most of the sources I saw stated that Gary had dental work done in prison after the victim's death. So, okay, if that was deliberate, that was that was clever yeah well i know mr david rose also says that basically one of the teeth was how i understood was turned at a really weird angle where it'd be really noticeable and so that would have been the bite mark found on the victim wait is is that how he busted out of prison he sought out using his teeth and that's why he had to get the dental work done <laughs> he had the dental work done in prison maybe that's how he got like iron teeth or something saw teeth yeah. going on and then he just chomped straight through the wall Exactly. Just chomp the wall. Makes sense. No, but how I understood this is that one of his teeth was basically twisted at like a really noticeable angle in the bite mark. And Mr. David Rose says nobody in his childhood even remembers him or claims that he had this weird tooth. So it doesn't make sense that it would match. They claim that because of this, and they say that this evidence was withheld from the trial Like, the prosecution didn't bring forth this bite mark, and they very much did not talk about how it was not a match that of Carlton Gary. And then the ones that do believe Carlton Gary is innocent, they also claim there's so much information withheld from trial. They talk about 
well, what about the semen analysis? And what about this reported confession and blah, blah, blah. Now, I did not read David Rose's book, but he did claim that the judges, prosecutors, and police involved in this case and conviction of Carlton Gary were part of a white-only organization called the Big Eddie Club. The Big Eddie? Yeah, the Big Eddie Club. That just reminds me of Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I don't know what it reminds me of, but the Big Eddie Club supposedly has traces in history that trace back to a lot of racial injustices for the Columbus, Georgia area. And this includes roles that the judges, prosecutors, and police, their families uh, had that took place with lynchings in the city. So they're basically saying that your families are part of this Big Eddie Club, and we know that your family history took part in these lynchings. And we know that you're part of this Big Eddie Club as well. Not a good look either, if that's um, if that's true. I couldn't find anything to validate this. I only saw David Rose's claims. Mm-hmm. Also, just because your family did something shitty doesn't mean you're still doing the same shitty thing. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just... I would hope not. Yeah. I don't know. I would hope that they grew as people. Yeah. In 2007... Carlton Gary is positively linked via DNA to the rape and murder of Marion Fisher. This is a victim we have not yet discussed. She was 40 years old. She had been raped and murdered after she had left a bar in Nedro, New York in 1975. He was released from prison in 1975. New York officials had the DNA match. They do decline to charge Carlton Gary for the murders. He was already on death row in Georgia. And they also believe that extraditing him would present an escape risk. He's already escaped twice. So I'll give him that. And they just say, yep, we can link it, but we're not going to charge him. Now, Gary does go through all of the appeals process. But on December 1st, 2009, the U.S. Supreme Court would refuse to hear his appeal. Um, And at the time, this was the final appeal that authorities were waiting on before they could set his execution date. So once this is refused, they're allowed to set an execution date. And on December 4th, 2009, remember December 1st, 2009 is when the Supreme Court would refuse his appeal. Mm -hmm. And on December 4th, his execution date is set for December 16th, 2009. Oh, wow. They were like, get him out of here. Yeah, they're sprinting to get this done and over with. But on December 15th, a stay of execution is granted. Nope, I'm sorry. A stay of execution was denied. So on December 15th, a stay of execution is denied. But on December 16th, just about two to four hours before his execution, the Georgia Supreme Court would halt the execution. This was for the Supreme Court to hold a hearing to determine whether a DNA test or test should be conducted. Because at the time in 77, they didn't have that. They didn't have the option to run his DNA like they do today. Okay. But New York, I guess, did. Well, they ran it later. So that was in 2007 that he was linked via DNA. In 1977, they couldn't run it. They still had it. I misunderstood there. Yeah. So basically, the Supreme Court is saying, well, we need to determine if a DNA test or test should be conducted to determine if this man is guilty in these crimes that he's been convicted of. So they're saying, if we run this DNA, will it match what we have from the crime scenes? And will it prove his guilt or prove his innocence? 
Gary's lawyers basically argue that when the DNA was tested uh, in the Shebel, Thermal, Thurmond, and Woodruff cases, the samples were damaged and the DNA didn't match that of Carlton Gary at the time of his conviction. The prosecution would reach a, a test and they're like, all right, well, let's, we'll test the semen again with that of Carlton Gary's DNA. And in the cases of Shebel, Thurmond, and Woodruff, the results do come back inconclusive again. And these are the cases he was found guilty of. But the state did not stop at just those three victims. They tested the DNA against victim Jean Deminstein, uh, and the DNA found in that crime scene matched that of Carlton Gary. Oh. The Supreme Court, they hold hearings in 2014, and this is Carl Carlton's motion for a new trial is rejected. Now, on February 23rd, 2018, a new execution date is set for March 15th, 2018. Reportedly, on the day of his execution, he attempts a last-minute appeal by asking the federal court to stop his execution and give him a new attorney. He says that he had just learned that his attorney, Jack Martin, had cancer, and he did not know to what degree that may have affected his representation. The Supreme Court did not buy that. Uh, not that his his attorney had cancer, which is very tragic, but that his representation was lacking. In fact, mm -hmm. the days prior to the scheduled execution, Jack Martin was spending hours seeking clemency for Mr. Gary over here. It's just all of his appeals were denied. Like, he's doing his due diligence. Yeah. Now, just to let you know, there was a lot of due diligence here because we're going to talk about a quick breakdown of all of the appeals that were denied in his conviction. And any of them ones that were granted. This is going to be all of the appeals, habeas corpus, all of that. Okay. And I did get this full list from law.georgia.gov. So I feel like these should probably be pretty accurate. June 26, 1987, Georgia Pre Supreme Court remands the case to trial on whether Gary was denied effective counsel. June 12th, 1989, for this one, courts held Gary, they basically decided Gary actively rejected the assistance of counsel appointed by the court at that time. Okay. So they're saying you're not getting a new trial because you had appropriate defense. You just denied it. You didn't want it. Another appeal to the Georgia Supreme Court, which the Supreme Court affirmed his conviction and sentenced uh, and sentenced on March 6, 1990. Now an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court denied his request to appeal. So he's made a request to the U.S. Supreme Court to appeal. And this was October 1st, 1990. And a rehearing on that was also denied in 1991. A state writ of habeas corpus uh, did get to an evidentiary, evidentiary hearing. This was denied in a hearing on November 13th, 1955. His appeal for his writ of habeas corpus was denied on October 7th, 1996. So he's appealing the state's decision to deny that, that writ of habeas corpus. This is another one that made it to the Supreme Court, the Georgia Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court denies his request to appeal the habeas corpus on May 27th, 1970, nope, 1997. He submits a federal writ of habeas corpus. So he already did the state level. Now he's doing a federal level. Another evidentiary hearing is held. But on September 28th, 2004, the district court denies his federal habeas relief. During this time, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, his case gets remanded back to the district court. This is when the evidence of the previously mentioned bite mark resurfaced. Uh, resurfaces. But on May 30th, 2007, after an evidentiary hearing, the district court reaffirms the decision and denies his federal habeas relief again. On February 12th, 2009, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals affirms the district court's denial of relief. 
The U.S. Supreme Court denies his request to appeal on November 30th, 2009. 2009, he seeks post-conviction DNA testing. Cases remanded back to trial. We already know this in 2016. They have the one positive DNA match um, between Gary and victim Jean Demenstein. And on September 1st, 2017, trial court denies his motion for a new trial. He has another appeal to the Supreme Court denied on December 1st, 2017. A motion for reconsideration is denied on January 16th, 2018. Do you see how long this list is? Like, I lost count. Exactly. He had plenty of appeals, requests. How dare he say that crap about his lawyer? I, yeah, I was a little offended, but I also don't know if that was a play his lawyer suggested. Okay. You know, and I'm not saying anything about his lawyer. I'm just saying yeah. if his lawyer is kind of reaching and trying to save this man's life because he truly believes he's innocent, mm-hmm. he might just say, hey, I have cancer. Maybe that affected my representation. <clears throat> hint, hint. Yeah. I don't know. That's speculation. I hope that's not the case. And I'm hoping that Carlton Gary was just a jerk. I think he is. Yeah, he is. Um, He's gone through the process, right? He has had... So many chances for appeals, all of them denied. Now, Carlton Gary, he would be executed by lethal injection on March 15th, 2018, and he would die at 10.33 p.m. He declined to make a final statement. He also rejected the offer of a prayer, and he chose not to eat his final meal. During the execution, 18 protesters sat outside holding a vigil for Carlton Gary, and that's, that's the story of Carlton Gary and the stocking strangler. What are your thoughts? Man, it kind of sounds like he was guilty as hell. You you know what makes me think he's guilty is the fact, and I already mentioned this, is the fact that he, all these murders across different states have the same or a similar MO, and he continues to try to blame someone else. Yeah. And it's like, like you said, like, how do you find three different individuals that have these weird ass murders and MOs? To murder the elderly Democrat. No, I'm sorry, sir. I just am struggling to believe you. And what does that say about you, too, that you keep becoming friends with murderers? Right? That you can't be a great person. Well, then on top of that, you have people saying he claims he was there to rob him. And there was most cases the robbery was not the not even a thing. Like nothing was taken. And what did you do in this situation? Like y'all went there to rob him and he just started brutally attacking these your accomplice, not you. Started brutally yeah. attacking this woman, and you were just like, "Oh well, I got her coins. I'm leaving, man. I'm out. You, you do what you must." But then also the fact that you're the only one that has any DNA, fingerprint, anything on the crime scenes. Nobody else. Not these random no. people that you met in Subway one time and were like, "Hey, do you want to rob a house together?" And now they're in prison. Right. But and I think that's where I struggle the most is how would how would that happen? How would you find? Three different people, same MO, killing these women, but they always are at the same time that you're out of jail or in the area. They're not doing this unless you're present. Yeah, it's really not looking good. So that's my biggest thing. And again, I know there's more. I know this David Rose wrote a whole ass book about why he thinks he's innocent. I didn't read it, but I just, I really struggled because it's, it's a bit of a stretch for me because he's, I'm sorry, Carlton, if you are innocent. I, I hope you're whatever, but I don't think you're innocent. I just, I'm struggling. If he's innocent, then the prosecution really did their job. Yeah. I, 
like I said, I I think he's guilty. That's a personal thought. I didn't like this one. It was better than the other one, but again, the other one, I just didn't like the flow of it, so I gotta redo it. I just don't, like, leave old people alone, man. They've lived enough. They're at a point in their lives where it hurts to just wake up in the morning. Like, right? And they're very vulnerable. Like, these mm -hmm. little ladies are not going to be able to defend themselves. No. And if you think that makes you a man, like, no. It makes you way less of one. Right. Ugh. It just makes me mad. The whole thing, the fact that there are people that think he's innocent blows my mind. Like, that absolutely blows my mind. How? Especially when there's enough evidence to put him at crime scenes with similar MOs in other states he was never arrested for. And it's not states like Georgia and Alabama. We're talking states like Georgia and New York. Yeah. Like that, there's some distance in different parts of New York. Well, then I also question, like, yeah, between, like, in 78, he wasn't, he supposedly wasn't attacking anyone, not in the Georgia area. But he was nomadic. He had, I think he had left the area. We know he had because he was found in what, South Carolina? South Carolina? Yeah. How many victims did he have along the way that were never associated with the stalking trailer? That's terrifying. Uh-huh. So how many unsolved cases are there of these elderly women? And they just don't know. They don't know any better. Because he, I know he had on some of these cases taken his, the stalking, whatever he used to strangle the women, he had taken those off of the premises and his family just did they stay with him the whole time to my understanding his wife was with him she stood by his innocence she believes him wholeheartedly that he did not kill these women that is her belief she is welcome to that ma'am i just disagree with you let's look at the inconsistencies and the the overwhelming amount of coincidences like it just it doesn't add up it is a lot oh it's a lot of coincidences and I know a lot of people say that it's racially charged from the prosecution, the the judge, the officers. And I understand that perspective. But looking at this as a whole picture, there's too many coincidences. There's no way he's innocent. Even if he didn't do all of them, we know he did at least one. I believe he did more. But Yeah, DNA proves the one. Yeah, I didn't like the story. Neither did I, but there you have it. Well, I guess, do you want to hear mine? I would love to hear yours. Have you opened the pictures yet? Because they're kind of wild. No. <laughs> Literally. Oh. <laughs> so I did some cryptids. I did two, actually. So these are actually German cryptids. So I got James to help me pronounce a lot of these words. I'm going to do my best here, folks. So the first one is the Elvatrish. And the Elvatrish is a legendary bird-like creature found in southwest Germany and in Pennsylvania specifically among the Pennsylvania Dutch and some Amish communities. I'm sorry, I'm seeing this second picture a little bit better now. Yeah, yeah, I'll get to that, I promise. Okay. So, it'll make sense when y'all see it, okay? This cryptid is so old, I could not even find a date that they think it originated. They were said to be forgotten for a while, and then a man named Espenscheid rediscovered them. Heavy finger quotes there. So he rediscovered these creatures and then he started throwing hunting parties. What else are you going to do, right? Well, that's just rude. Let them be. Well, the Elvatrish are, they're shy, but they're curious. And those traits really worked against them during the hunts that Espenscheid would organize. 
it consists of two main positions, two main, I don't know, this reminds me of Quidditch in Harry Potter, okay? So you have the catcher, and the catcher has a potato sack and a lantern, and he's going to just hang out in this clearing in the forest. He's just going to wait there with his lantern and his sack. And then you have beaters, and the beaters go into the woods to chase the Elvatrish towards the catcher, and the Elvatrish are attracted to the light of the lantern. So the beaters are going to go in and kind of flush them out of the forest towards this clearing. And then the Elvatrish are going to see this lantern and they're going to like moths to the flame. They're like, oh my God, this beautiful light. Let's all run towards it. And then the catcher is going to snatch them up in the sack. Okay. And this sounds like a good plan to me, at least. You know, like they might be on to something here. Until you realize that the beaters just leave the catcher there and go to a bar or wherever they met up at. And they wait for the catcher to realize that he's been tricked. It's all a fun game. And then everybody drinks beer. Uh, I mean, if it's just drinking beer afterwards, I guess that's fine. It sounds pretty harmless, I guess. But also, don't leave your friends in a clearing in the woods in the middle of the night. That doesn't sound nice. With nothing to defend themselves but a lantern and a potato sack. Yeah, I don't like that a lot. So you might be wondering, how do you even know what an Elvatrish looks like? Because I haven't told you yet. I mean, I've seen... So, let me tell you, an elvatrish is, uh, is a chicken with antlers. They have scales instead of feathers. They have wings that are completely useless. We're talking like dodo bird, kiwis. They are good for absolutely nothing. You know what? I was actually going to say they already sound, when you were talking about them being curious, mm-hmm. I already was thinking, like, they sound like dodo birds. Oh, yeah. I, I think they are. I don't think they're chickens. Oh, okay. I think they're dodos. And that's just, well, I don't know. I did, do, did dodos have scales? I don't know. I mean, birds are dinosaurs, right? So it's not. Yeah, I'm birds sure. are demons anyways. It's fine. <laughs> the elvatrish live in underbrush and under vines. And sometimes they're depicted with really long beaks. It's something else. And in the second half <laughs> of the 20th century... Artists, for whatever reason, I could not find why, they started portraying the Elvatrish as females. So they gave them boobs, not breasts, not chicken breasts, not normal succulent chicken breasts. They gave them human female boobs oh, on a chicken. They're right there. They're, Poke your eye out. Yeah. Yeah. They look like weapons. Um, they look terrifying. They look like shields almost. Like armor? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand this, but I also would not have portrayed this bird with with boobs. I understand art is subjective, but also like what man is going around putting boobs on chickens? I just envisioned his artwork has boobs on everything. Everything. Yes, that's actually the music the gallery <laughs> that he put through. It's just multiple animals with boobs. No bras. <laughs> He's got different versions. These are just the perkier ones. Got it. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's awful. It's, I forgot where I was. What's even better is I'm looking at this picture more, and it looks like this, this, what are they called again? Elvatrish. It looks like this Elvatrish did its hair. Yeah, like it's got little piggy tails. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it did its feathers all nice and beautiful. She's just getting ready in the morning and hasn't put her bra on. Yeah, no. She's just, huh, she's free burden it. 
<laughs> now, it's said that Elvatrish originated by crossbreeding chickens, ducks, and geese with mythical wood creatures like elves and goblins. Doesn't sound like a great idea to me, but they obviously lay eggs because they're chicken-esque. But since they're mixed with magical creatures, their eggs, this is the sentence, okay? And I, their eggs grow during breeding season, which is why the eggs in the first picture are different sizes. Wait, that, I don't think that's how eggs work. Oh, it's how their eggs work. I guess because when you mix a chicken with a goblin, their eggs grow as they No wonder chickens develop? are chicklin. Chicklin. No no wonder chickens are horrible. They're goblin-like creatures. <laughs> and at night, the Elvatrish are said to sleep in the tops of willow trees next to the river. I didn't ask how to pronounce this. We're going to go with Tober. Okay. That's probably not right. James. <laughs> Tauber. Okay. Now, would you like to hear about this particular chicken that you love so much in all her glory? She looks like she's having a great hair day. From what I found, Germany freaking loves the Elvatrus. The Elvatrush, excuse me. In Don, Germany, they have a fountain, an educational trail, a hiking trail, a monument and municipal park. And a local carnival club uses the Elvatrish as its mascot. I want to go to Germany. And that's just one city. Listen, I just keep thinking about all the weird things that Germans do. You've got Krampus, and now you've got yes. this thing. You've yes. got the chicken with boobs. Yes. I feel like I should have been German. I know, James really took all the fun. <laughs> that's why he was in Germany, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's why... Um, that's why he's he's still kind of bitter about coming back. Yeah, he misses the chicken with boobs. So this fountain is in Neustadt an der Weinstrasse. Okay. I think I said that right. I'm sorry. That's where this fountain is. The, um, the scandalous chicken. That's where she's at. There's also another fountain in Wernigrod. And then a local brewery in Winweiler. Uses the Elvatrish as its mascot as well. Oh, I would too. Absolutely. I love her. She she definitely, we need to find a way to incorporate her into our logos now. That one, exactly, yes. Yeah. But she's going to have to put something on, I think. We'll just put our bra on her. She's fine. Yeah, that's perfect. Or we'll just like do the little censored bar across her chest. It's fine. Oh, wait, that's even better. Yeah. Both of these are fountains. I could not tell if it's from the same fountain, but the first one is a picture of the egg and it's hatching. And that is a depiction that has the really long beak. And the other one is just wonderful. She had a beak job done. Okay. She got a beak reduction. She's just living her best She's life. She's glorious. She She's really great. is. great. I've got to go to this fountain. We got to go to Germany. Okay. Dad, we're going to... We're just going to the fountain. We just want to see the statue. Yeah. Now, if you want to go on the hunt, the third picture is a picture of the potato sack setup for the Elvatrish hunts. I'm good without the hunt. I'm okay just going to drink. It's fine. Yeah, I don't want to be left in a 
I don't want to be left in a random set of woods in Germany. I can't even get from Georgia to Pennsylvania on my own, okay? And you probably don't get GPS out of the woods. They're probably like, you have to leave your phone with us. Oh, no, that's not happening. No, <laughs> that's not happening ever. I mean, you're just going to kill me. That's what you're going to do. Now, unfortunately, that's all I have for the Elvatrish. But we're going to move on to this next guy down here. This next guy. I want one so bad. I told James, like, we got to find one. These guys are known as the Bavarian Vulpertinger. All of them. Vulpertinger. They inhabit alpine forests in Bavaria. They are also found in Baden-Württemberg in South Germany. South Germany, excuse me. A Vulpertinger has the body of a small mammal combined with wings, antlers, a tail, and fang. Now, the most widely accepted form or type of Vulpertinger is the body of a squirrel, the head of a rabbit, deer antlers, and wings and legs of a pheasant. This thing's horrifying. It's so great. Stuffed Vulpertingers, which is what I have added quite a couple pictures of, they are displayed in inns. You can see them a lot being sold to tourists. Oh, I'd be that tourist buying that. I'd be like, how much? Absolutely. Okay, here's your money. I don't care how much. Here's your money. Someone tell me where I can find one of these online, please. Because I've already looked. There's a museum in Munich, Germany, that has a permanent Vulpertinger exhibit. And it's, oh no, I'm trying. It's the Deutsches Jagd und Fischery Museum, which I think stands for the German Hunting and Fishing Museum. Vulpertingers are said to be the offspring of a male roe deer, or a roebuck, and a hare, which led to a hare with antlers. And then these two animals, um, reproducing, this basically just opened up the possibilities of animals completely ignoring their species and breeding all willy-nilly. So you have foxes, pheasants, ducks, pine martens. Do you know what a pine martin is? Nope. I thought it was a bird, but it's not. They're like weasels, but way bigger, like double or triple, we like mega weasels. They're like two, three, four times the size of a regular weasel. Vulpertingers are shy. They feed on herbs and roots and the occasional insect, if they can catch one. And they're not dangerous to humans. But if their saliva touches your skin, you start growing hair there. Okay, I guess for a bald man, that's great. Uh, Rogaine, what are you waiting for? This is your chance at a new mascot. This new marketing idea waiting to happen here. I think this is brilliant. Uh, just that very last picture, the rabbit with wings and antlers and fangs that you put out on a Rogaine box and it's just going to, at least in Germany, it's going to fly off the shelf. Men with hair are going to buy this Rogaine. When threatened, the Vulpertingers can spray the predator with a foul smelling liquid similar to skunks. But unlike skunks, nothing can take this smell away. People have tried soap, tomato baths, cologne, perfume, nothing works this smell cannot be removed or even covered until exactly seven years later what the hell yeah so you just walk around stinking for seven years because you pissed off a vulpertinger 
man, that would suck if you just started dating a new girl and for the next seven years you gotta hope for the best. Yeah, but that's how you know. Like, if she's gonna stick around you through Volpertinger's stink, she's the one. We better hope she doesn't have any sense of smell. <laughs> this cryptid is believed to have started with some really creative and probably bored taxidermists in the 1800s. It said that they just started sewing animal pieces together and selling the results to tourists as local wildlife. And over the years, they got more outlandish, more animals were added. <laughs> would you like to know how to catch a Volpertinger? Oh, would I? Okay, so you have to enter the forest on a full moon. Very important. With an attractive single woman. Because apparently Volpertingers are not homewreckers. She has to be single. But they are, they've got a little bit of, they're a little vain. Oh, yeah. Not vain. I think so. Is that right? Right? Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, I mean, wouldn't you be? Look at the feathers on that guy. You gotta be, listen, Jessica, you have to be up to their standards. Yeah. You really, but not only that, (laughs) she has to be in the company of the right man for the Volpertinger to show itself. What is the right man? I have no idea. I could not find that. You can catch them with the sack stick spade method. Do you know what this is? <laughs> no. Do I want to? Probably Me not. neither. I mean, if you want to catch a Volpertinger, you do. This is where you walk out there with a sack, a stick, and a spade. You prop the sack open with the spade. And you stick a candle inside the sack. And you light it. Because the light, much like the Elvetrish, is going to attract the Volpertinger. And once it goes inside, you snatch the spade out and it's you caught it. Now, I don't know about Germany, but here in the U.S., we have Smokey the Bear to remind us of the dangers of forest fires. And I'm pretty sure he would be 100% against this. Never. He only worries about the forest fires here. I think Smokey the Bear worries about forest fires everywhere. You're, you're right. He does worry about forest yeah. fires everywhere. So at the very least, if you're going to try to catch a Volpertinger, keep an eye on that flame. Oh, and last but not least, there's also a smoky approved method that you just sprinkle salt on their tail. That, what? That, that's, I don't, that's what it said. You sprinkle salt on their tail and then you just, I, I don't know. <laughs> the website was in German and I had to use Google Translate. So Germany, if you can tell me how that last one works, I would really love to know. We've got quite a few German listeners or listeners in Germany. I think one of you can let us know how does this work and have you caught one and how can Amanda get her hands on one? I really want one to put in the living room. So I can look at it every day. I don't know how to help you there, but thing is not, I don't even know what the hell this thing is. They're Volpertingers. It's terrifying. They're so wonderful. I get the feeling you want the less rabbit-esque ones. I really like the rabbit hair, and I like the, I don't, it looks like a mouse with a tiny fox head, maybe. I think that might be the squirrel. That's not a squirrel. I really like the one with duck feet for hands. How about that? Okay. (laughs) That's the one I was thinking you really liked. I'm glad it's not the other one that has the horrifying claws and the tiny bill and the weird ass ears. What's sad is this story really sent me down a spiral where I kind of want to learn how to taxidermy animals. 
but all of the classes to learn how to do that are at least like 40 minutes away. Sounds awful. It sounds so interesting. Like I really went down a wormhole. My algorithm on TikTok is really whack right now. It's a, it's a whole big thing. <laughs> I don't know why you risk your TikTok algorithm for that. I get to see a lot of really well taxidermied animals and one really not good taxidermied animal. You risk that's a lot riskier than me. I'm still trying to get rid of the spicy books on my TikTok, okay? <laughs> I'm I'm not mad at it. Once I get once I get Annie in school, I might I might see about getting an apprenticeship to taxidermy animals. I've already got all these random other talents. Why not add one more? Might as well. What's yeah. the harm? Yeah. Yeah. And- I started looking for for something online for you, but mm-hmm. the only thing I'm seeing look more like the jackalopes. I did see where they believe that the jackalope, the jackalope style, I guess, Volpertinger, they think might have inspired the jackalope here in the U.S. Okay. Well, listen, I found, I just found, I was hoping that this could be something I could send to Annie, but she's not going to be able to do this. It's a pattern, a crochet pattern. I was hoping it was the entire ass thing and I could just order it like a little stuffed stuffed animal mm-hmm. of a Volpertinger. It's not, though. Oh. Sorry. I got really excited for a second. Oh, my God. I love him. I mean, he's Annie got would the fangs. Annie would never get this. You know that, right? He's got the wings. He's got the wings. Oh, why is it so cute? I know we would have to send two. Yeah. That's fine. He's got the I'm not tail. That's great. I have to learn how to crochet now. I have all the stuff. I just. That's another hobby that I picked up and I wanted to learn and then I didn't. I can crochet a blanket, but that's it. And it's not it's not a fancy pattern I can do. I love but it so I, much. I can do a blanket. But that's wow. There's something else. Yeah, those are Germany. The, uh, the hangers. Uh, Germany, we're going to need you to send Amanda a, a Volpertinger. Yes. Yes, please um, put me in, in contact with someone I can I can find a Volpertinger from. She wants a taxidermy one. Yes. I am just not into that. I don't really want deceased animals in my house. I mean, we're in Arkansas. That's not the weirdest thing that would be. I mean, it would be weird. Don't get me wrong. But if people come in and they're like, oh, you got a dead animal on your bookshelf. I'd be like, yeah, I do. And they'd be like, oh, that's fine. What the hell is it? And that's where it would get weird. <laughs> Listen, I don't care. I just don't want it in my house. <laughs> that's all it really comes down to is you do you in your house. I'm I'm going to say no in mine. I'm definitely going to have to get it. Keep it away from the dogs. I already know that. You're going to have to have it high up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, wow. Um, this has been a wild ride. <laughs> Those are my German cryptids. I prefer the first one. The little chicky. The elvetrish. Yeah, and I don't like birds. But at least I know they're dumb like dodos. And they don't have feathers. Like, I don't know. I don't know what, what exactly is it about birds that you don't like? Just the fact that it's a bird? Yeah. It's a winged creature. What if the wings don't have feathers and don't work? Uh, I'm more okay. Like, I'm okay with penguins because they can't fly. Mm-hmm. But we're talking scales here. Full scales. I don't, know how, I don't know how I feel about the scales, but they're dumb like dodos. It's fine. <laughs> and 
And she looks fabulous. She does look great. Can't nobody tell her nothing. She is an Elvatrish in charge. Yeah, she's the Elvatrish in charge. She knows what she wants, what she's doing. She's got her life figured out. I might have just found an auction for a Volpertinger. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter at Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast Linktree. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at hellonhillspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.